Hello, and welcome to Trek Companion. This is episode 194. I am your host, Brian Williams. I am Adam Caesar. I'm Stephen Embry. And today we're discussing Voyager's second season episodes, Cold Fire, Maneuvers, and Resistance. Here we go. Cold Fire, Season 2, Episode 10, Production Code 126, Original Air Date, November 13th, 1995, Directed by Cliff Bowl, Story by Anthony Williams, Teleplay by Brandon Braga, Music Composed by Dennis McCarthy, Guest Cast Include Gary Graham as Tannis, Lindsay Ridgway as Suspiria, and Norman Large as Ocampa Man. Cass and the Doctor notice a particular change in the remains of the caretaker the alien who trapped Voyager and the Delta Quadrant. They seem to be resonating in response to an unusual energy source. Remembering that the dying caretaker had mentioned a female of his kind, Janeway wonders if she could be nearby. Following the energy trail, the crew comes upon a space station inhabited by Ocampa. I killed those plants. Just like I almost killed Tuvok. But I don't want to hurt anybody. Of course you don't. That's not the point. Hurt people, help them, give life, kill. It's all the same. Once you see beyond the physical, you see the universe as it truly is. Cold fire. I, oh, by the way, uh, listeners, uh, I have a little bit of a cold. Sorry about that. I do remember this episode well. I always remember this the episode where Cass cooks Tuvok's face. <laughs> I, I mean, I yeah. joke, but that, that scene is pretty darn horrific. <laughs> she's like really screaming and he just they even changed the color of his eyes i mean he looks yeah pretty a screwed up yeah so i always remember that sequence um this this is the, being the episode that kind of gives starts to give Kess a bit of a through line with her crazy abilities which you know we're going to learn a lot about in the future but or at least her the limits of those abilities but uh yeah, I always remember this episode, and I think I like it. <laughs> um, Steve, why don't you get us going on Cold Fire? Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm pretty much the same way. Uh, it's very memorable, and probably that scene that you alluded to is is one of the reasons, but also because of showing just how, when in the right situation or the right circumstances or with the right help, how powerful she is. You know how much you know she can do is quite is quite uh, um, daunting and uh, intimidating in a way. Um, but yeah, it's, it's interesting. It's uh, yeah. I mean, it, I, I, yeah, I agree. It's, I don't know. I don't know why we're kind of hesitant to say it's like, Oh, this is good or great or whatever. I mean, I, I, I do like it fine. And uh, it's uh, interesting. We certainly get some Ocampa, you know, in, information and a little bit and this kind of, it's, it's, it's a little unusual because there's not a whole lot of uh Trek that's kind of has this, this horror kind of thing. And it's not just that scene with Tuvok that gives it that feel, you know, the kind of the, the almost stereotypical little girl character. That's the evil, you know, evil possessed kind of story going on there. And um so, you know, that's pretty crazy. Um, people floating on ceilings and stuff helps to, to give it that vibe. Um, but yeah, overall, I think it's interesting. And, um, I also like to see the, the, the stuff with Tuvok and Kess working together and the, the mentor and student relationship stuff there. 
Um, yeah, I'd agree a lot with Steve. I would, I think this is a solid episode um, for a lot of the reasons that you and Steven mentioned. I mean, we get we get a lot on Kess. You know, her character starts to formulate a little bit more, and we kind of start to see her purpose just beyond being, um, you know, Neelix's girlfriend and the Doctor's assistant. So I think it's good for her character. The episode's solid. We get to find out about the the caretaker you know all the way back um you know in the very first pilot episode you know this is alluded to you know there's an, another caretaker out there and um you know they they get to this in the second season um you guys can correct me if i'm wrong we never see this caretaker again right this is this is it and this caretaker storyline is done correct well i'd rather not answer that just in case i happen to have a <laughs> Sick <laughs> question about it later. <laughs> so if you know, keep it to yourself. <laughs> well, all right. Um, yeah, I don't recall the caretaker ever coming back. It would have been nice to come back to. So you know, we get the um, the Kazon Nistrum probably far too often than we would like, and um, we, I would have liked to have seen the the caretaker maybe a little bit more Okampa in the future. But I don't think we do. That's my guess. So we'll find out in six degrees. I'm sure. Um, yeah, I, I didn't really think of it that way when Steve was talking about kind of the horror aspect, but yeah, I mean, I guess it kind of is, you know, the, the caretaker is kind of this snaky creature that kind of sucks people up, and, you know, makes them levitate and engineering. So yeah, it kind of has that horror feel with the, the music and stuff like that. That's it. I mean, yeah, definitely when that whole build up with uh, Janeway and, Kess is in the other room with Tannis and then, you know, the blood drips on Janeway's shoulder and stuff. That is that is horror movie great and, and pretty creepy and scary. I think there's a lot of other elements too. There's at that moment when Tannis helps Kess like kill all the plants, but to kind of like experience them or something, they don't really analyze that too far, but that actually is pretty dark, you know, and if that's what it means to really learn these abilities and and experience things you know you're you're killing them to do it i don't know that 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 sequence was a lot darker than i remembered feeling about it before uh you know tannis has the line about uh you know i don't remember it's something along the lines of um dead or alive it's all the same you know or something like that right yeah. he's a very callous character yeah but i uh, but it's almost darker even than that like he doesn't think of it he doesn't think of regular humans as sentient creatures they're like ants or something you know Mm -hmm. which is pretty terrifying i'm also yeah i agreed with um steve i like i like the um the relationship that um that kess and tuvok have um i think you know this is kind of in the beginning stages where he's teaching her to you know kind of control her thoughts and her minds the vulcan way if you will um so yeah that's a good relationship and it's, it's interesting moving forward there was a there was a scene that I really liked. Uh, the the whole crew, they're talking one of the first time scenes where they're talking to Tannis. I think they're having dinner, and Tannis proposes that Kess should come with them. Mm-hmm. You know, and Janeway says to Kess, "You don't have to decide something so this important right now. Give it some thought." As written, that's that's the line, right? But the way she delivers that line, "Give it some thought," it's it's almost more like she's. I don't know, like some kind of dark order, like give it some thought, you know, like <laughs> I do not want you to shut this guy Tannis down right away. I need you for the good of the crew 
to lead him on a little bit, like you might be interested in, don't just shut it down. I swear, that's that was the tone that she delivered that line and the look on her face to me. It was not, give it some thought. It was not like that. Mm-hmm. Was I the only one that read it that way? I didn't take it that way. Yeah. I do remember she said it very um, intensely. I mean, I remember there was, it was, you know, intense. Well, that's what I remember. Well, well, Neil, I think it wasn't, didn't Neelix pipe in and then she kind of, it was just kind of, I think it was intense just to kind of calm the situation down. That's kind of how I took it. Like, Hey, you know, you don't have to decide right now. Cause he was very insistent on her coming and then Neelix kind of started freaking out. So I took it as more Janeway, just kind of calming the situation, but maybe, but maybe, but maybe she was, you know, maybe you're right. Maybe she was trying to manipulate the situation. Interesting way to open this episode with, um, Majel, a little bit more than just last time on Star Trek Voyager. I mean, she's 10 months ago. This happened. You know, it's yeah. a little bit weird. Like when you think about it, wait, I don't know exactly what is this thing. Is this uh, the computer is because she's reading it with her computer voice. Right. You know, right. She's not <laughs> right. It. You know, definitely computer mm-hmm. voice. So it's kind of weird. It's a, it's like a fourth wall kind of thing or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. It was just unusual. I'm not used to thinking about those sorts of things. Is this episode about anything? A lot of it would be about, you know, finding one's own way and learning who you are and your abilities and the limitations of those abilities and how to use them. I mean, I guess that's, I mean, probably not, you know, explaining myself very well how I'm explaining this. But yeah, I kind of got, you know, you know, you learn these new abilities and you take them too far and it's about learning yourself, I guess, basically what it comes down to me. My blabbing ways. Yeah, I think yeah, I think it's kind of the the power. I don't go so far as saying it's the whole absolute power corrupting crap, but you know the whole notion of having when you have certain abilities and you can definitely use them to, for to to positive effect or negative effect, and it's very easy to you know be uh, tempted to go down. You know, or you're going to have people that are trying to use your abilities for for things that you might not wish them to, and it. You know, it's it takes some effort to to hone those things and to and to learn the proper. You know, and it goes for not just any special abilities. I mean, we don't all have the power to levitate things or whatever else. But any anything, anytime when you are tempted to use whatever you have to to some ill effect, and you know, hopefully you have the assistance of those who can who can help you use use those abilities in the right way, or kind of learn about yourself at the very least, and you know, without killing plants or something, you know? So I do think this is, I mean, definitely this is my favorite episode that we're discussing today. It has some moments that make it feel, I don't know, dated or, or maybe not so modern. There's a couple of pacing issues some stuff that's maybe a little clunky here or there, but I like this episode. I think it's one of the better episodes of the second season. Um, It's above average, if not great. I'd agree with that, Brian. Well, just saying, I think what's also is interesting too is that it can almost be read as like a. I'm not going to say it's it's um, an homage or something to like the horror genre, but there's enough elements in this that make it almost like you're, there's a slight nod to these kind of uh, classic elements that make up so much stereotypical 
horror movies, at least those preceding the, the airing of this episode by 20 years or so, you know, where you can say, oh, there's that element, there's that element, you know, and these certain things falling into place. And I, I was just thinking how if you kind of look at it that way, there's a lot of things that just fall into place that way, almost like they're they're having a little fun with us in that way. Um, I don't think that detracts from it at all. I think that just adds another layer to it. One thing I, I was trying to find in my in, in research, but I could not find, confirm it, is if Suspiria is named after the classic uh, Dario Argento movie, one of the mm. greatest horror movies ever made. So since so much of the episode is horror, it kind of seems like that must be the case, but I couldn't actually confirm that. Right. Uh, if, folks, if you have not seen Suspiria, it really is one of the greatest horror movies ever made. It should not be missed. If you only watch one Argento movie, that's the one you should watch. Uh, okay. Let's do six degrees for cold fire. Steve. Yes. Gary Graham plays tennis. Name his recurring Vulcan character in Enterprise. Oh, yeah. Um, geez. It's been a while now, and gosh. It's just not, it's just not hitting me. I'm sorry. Adam? Um, I can't believe it. Is it Saval? No, there it is. Close enough, probably. Yep. Ambassador. Saval. Saval. Very good. Adam, in how many more episodes will we see Suspiria, the female caretaker? (laughs) I'm going to say zero. You are correct. It's zero. We did not see her again, believe it or not. The only reason they even added this mention about her at the end of the first season was the suits were nervous that this lost in space concept for Star Trek wouldn't work. And they wanted to have a nice easy out to get them back to the Alpha Quadrant. Hmm. And then they didn't end up needing it. So I don't think they really even wanted to go here at all. And it's kind of, it's kind of like Q, like how do you bring him on to Voyager without just sending him home somehow? So nope, we never see her again. Wow. Look at that. This is like the first setting. All of a sudden Adam hits a grand slam. <laughs> But there's still a lot of game left, so Adam yes. has two. Moving there's on. still four more questions. Don't worry, Steve. <laughs> I'm just glad I didn't get shut out, you know. <laughs> Maneuvers Season 2, Episode 11, Production Code 127. Original air date, November 20th, 1995. Directed by David Livingston. Written by Kenneth Biller. Music composed by Jay Chataway. Guest cast include Martha Hackett as Seska, Anthony DeLongis as First Maj Kola, Terry Lester as Heron, and John Gegenhuber as Jal Surratt. After Voyager detects a Federation probe, the bridge crew wonder if Starfleet has been looking for them. After setting a course for the beacon, they find it in an ion cloud and grow suspicious. Then the Kazon Nistrum attack, matching their beams with the shield harmonics of Voyager. The Kazon send a small craft which rams and punctures the hull of Voyager, enabling them to steal one of Voyager's transporter technology modules. Maybe enough to convince the Hobai to join me, and perhaps the Mostral. Yes. And with a few more ships, you can defeat Voyager. And when you have the rest of their technology, the other sex will have no choice but to fall into line. That's why I sent a subspace message to the Mostral, the Hobai, and the Oglamar. Maneuvers! Adam, kick us off on maneuvers, please. Maneuvers. I don't know if I was just in a bad mood when I watched this or or not. I, I might be a little harder on it than I should i i found myself like later on the episode i was a little bit easier on the, than the beginning but i mean i think i'm the 
the Kazon this time around, this round of Voyager, um, to me, have just been kind of annoying. I'm just ready to be done with them. I'm, I think what we get done with them early in the next season. Um, I hope so. Um, because I don't know, they're just not a very interesting villain. I totally agree. I'm I'm already sick of them. I remember being sick of them every other time I've watched it, and every time I've watched the Voyager start to finish, I feel like I'm sick of them sooner. And there's just no definition to them, other than v- visually they 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 have their own kind of unique look. But there's not. I don't. I can't tell you thing one about the bloody Kazon. Yeah, I or, mean, and, and how are they still around? I mean, you know, they've been traveling for ten months now. I mean, you know, I mean. I, you would think they would have left them behind at this point. I think we've had this discussion before about the Kazon. I mean, they just kind of seem to hang around a lot longer than they should have. Um, the whole beginning of this episode, I'm just, I'm just, think, just sitting there thinking, I'm like, you guys just got really schooled, really, but you're just behind on all of this. I know that's they have the Kazon have to get onto the ship somehow to steal this transporter device so they can have a plot and a show. But it was just really like the crew looks really stupid and the first 10 minutes of this episode. Um, and I, like I said, it just might not have been in the greatest mood. It just kind of like the first half of this episode just kind of annoyed me. I think this episode for me is more like the story. If I just read the story itself is fine. I, you know, I, I, I kind of like, I, I do like Martha Hackett as Seska. I really do. I'd agree. There's not really any mystery, you know, from the first moment. So oh, Federation signal, Oh, this is what, what could it be? And then you see like huge letters. Yeah. Marth guest starring Martha Hackett. Oh, I'm like, oh, okay. Well, that is a trick, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, you could have waited a couple more minutes to put that credit up, but okay, fine. Um, but the actual story is is solid, and I like Martha Hackett. I always like seeing her. I think she's very good. But the actual realization of it, there's a lot of Kazon stuff, and I, I'm just I'm immediately bored with the Kazon stuff. Martha Hackett. She gives them a little bit of life. That sequence when she was like, "Yes, Maj. Yes, Maj. I can give. I'll be the most powerful. Yes, Maj." She's selling those scenes. She's a good actress. I like watching her. If it weren't for her, I'd almost want to fast forward through this thing. <laughs> I, I hate to say this, but I like Robert Beltran, of course, but I think that she's better than him in every scene that that, that, that scene they're in together. I think she's. I think she's borderline electric and he is not and maybe she's gotten you know it's more fun for her to play evil i guess but um i think she kind of outshines him a bit i think that there are scenes in this episode that again i the story is solid but the actual realization not so much there's there's a couple of different scenes when torres has to go to janeway to like stick up for jacote and his stealing a shuttlecraft or something like the, the first scene when she does that, it already feels redundant. I'm like, Oh, we've already seen this scene in this episode. I'm like, well, actually, no, maybe we haven't, but I sure feel like I've already <laughs> seen it. <laughs> I mean, it seems, I don't know. It just seemed kind of pointless. And then we have that scene again later. And it's not like anything's going to happen to Chakotay. Yeah. I don't know. What's the point of any of that? Yeah. I didn't, I didn't particularly care for this. Like, Oh, don't come after me. Like they're not going to go after you. I didn't, you know, that kind of, yeah, that, that shouldn't take up, Two minutes of screen time, let alone like ten, which is what I think it's they spend in this episode right. debating whether or not they're going to go get Chakotay. I don't know, Steve. You're not chiming in. You love this one? No, I, <laughs> no. I mean, it's it's fine, but I, I'm I'm agreeing with you guys. I mean, one, yes, Kazon are tiresome. Uh, two, 
as good as as good as she is as Seska, it, there is just way too much screen time with just her and Kazon. I mean, you know, we've kind of talked about before that it, it's it's hard to sell that and make it feel right when it's so much time is spent not on our you know main main cast. You know, just some something doesn't feel right unless unless it's just a very unusual episode. You know. Um, and and it just takes too long and it feels weird for Chakotay to even think that he could get away with them not chasing him. Like what's he, what's he, does he really think they would just, you know, by this time he would, you know, so it's, it's obviously such a bad decision on his part. And then they, like you said, they, they debate this, like if there's any debate of what they're going to do. So there's just a lot of wasted time, you know? So, the Seska character, it's interesting to see what, what she's doing and coming back to her and all that too. But there's just, that's about like the only thing going for it. I got a question for you guys. And I'm kind of jumping to the end. Do you think Janeway should have demanded Seska's return too? And they could have thrown her in the brig or do you think it was just fine leaving her with the Kazon? I just thought it, you know, there at the end, you know, we want our shuttle and we want our first officer back. I'd be like, I'd want her back too. Just so she couldn't try any more crap. But I don't know. Two thoughts about that. One, I, I think we've already established that it's not really practical for them to just leave somebody in the brig for 70 light years. They do do that coming up, though. They do They do have that storyline. Well, it doesn't. Um, okay, but <laughs> two, I think that maybe that would have been too far for the Kazon. I think that that would have been risking the battle. Like, you know, they would have been willing to... Uh, risk some lives to save one of their own. I don't know. To save Seska? Yeah. yeah. I mean, I understand why they didn't do it. I just was just curious at the end why Janeway wouldn't demand to have her back either. But then then we wouldn't get all the fabulous Kazon episodes that we're going to get coming up. You know, Martha Hackett is, is so good that she doesn't feel different. When she was playing, a, <laughs> when she was playing a McKee as the Fed, uh, a McKee, uh, Bashoran mm. McKee Federation person, right. and now she's playing um, Cardassian Kazon person, mm-hmm. you know, she's still totally Seska. Right. That's that's how she's good. Yeah, yeah. And so then, what she kind of, I guess, what is it? She violates Jakote. She takes his genetic codes to create a baby. They could have, they could have done that a hell of a lot darker, couldn't they? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> While you were asleep, I, <laughs> I well, no, what know. she actually says. What she actually says. I took I took a sample of your DNA or something. Like she, it's like she cut some of his skin off or something. I don't know. Right. 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 Could have gotten a lot darker. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They didn't do that. I. I, we don't need to get into that now. <laughs> All right. Uh, is this episode good? Um, it's, that it, it's not it's terrible. To me, it's a good story and, and, and not so great realization. Yeah, I mean, I'd agree. I wouldn't, it's, yeah. it's, yeah, it's, it's par for second season. Let's put, I'll, I'll say that. Average second season, sure. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Is it about anything? I guess you could say for Jakota, I mean, you know, trust the people around you is kind of what I got because because if you think about it, um, Jakota goes off and he does all this crap on his own and um, he didn't trust his crew, really. He didn't trust his family to help him through it, you know, because he felt all this guilt. And um, what ends up happening is he, you know, he gets his DNA stolen 
And yeah. So I, I think it's about, you know, trusting the people that you care about to stand by you. Yeah, I would more or less agree with that. I just don't think they executed like we already talked about. I don't think they executed it reasonably well. I mean, there could, there's a lot of, there were a lot of opportunities where they could have done some things differently. They wasted time and a lot of filler and I don't know what exactly what they could have done differently, but it could have been better. All right, let's do six degrees for maneuvers. Adam has two. Adam, are you going first or second? Um, I'll go first. Martha Hackett returns as Seska to name the two-part episode, season two cliffhanger and season three opener that concludes the Seska pregnancy storyline. Oh, I have no idea what the name of the episode is. You referenced it earlier. Oh, I know the the episodes. I just don't know the names of them. You got to get back to that episode title. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No? Nothing? No. I don't remember anything. Basics, part one and two. Basics. Ah, uh, yes, yes, yes. Uh, Steve, John Guggenhuber plays Joel Surratt. He will play the Kazon Tierna in Basics, part one. He will play one of those two. So the point is, he's played two different Kazon. He played a Kazon here. He plays a different Kazon in Basics, part one. Mm-hmm. He will play one of those two Kazon a second time in the episode, Alliances. Which one does he play? Then, is it Joel Surratt or Tierna in the episode Alliances? Now, this one I wouldn't actually expect you to know, except I feel like in the question, I've given you a good hint. It's 50-50. You have to kind of remember Alliances, though. Mm. What happens in that episode. Right. Which I don't. So, um, the Joel Surratt. You are correct, Joel Surratt. Mm. Uh, alliances is the one where they all the all the leaders come together. Ah, remember? Okay. So okay. that's what the goal part I thought would be. Ah, gotcha, gotcha. All right, uh, Adam has two, Steve has one. Moving on. Resistance season two, episode twelve, production code one twenty eight, original air date November twenty seventh, nineteen ninety five. Directed by Winrick Colby, story by Michael Jan Friedman and Kevin J Ryan. Teleplay by Lisa Kling. Music composed by Dennis McCarthy. Guest cast include Alan Scarf as Augurus, Ta- Tom Todorov as Durad, Joel Gray as Calum, and Glenn Morshower as Guard. <laughs> During an away mission, Tuvok and Bolana Taurus are captured and imprisoned while attempting to obtain a chemical vital to Voyager systems. An injured Captain Janeway is rescued by a local man, Kalim, who believes her to be his daughter. The action takes place among the Azlorians, who are contacts of Neelix and whose planet is occupied by the Morka. He said you'd been shot. He was lying to you. Father, I'm all right. And your mother? She's fine. She was so happy to get your letters. Uh, let's see. Adam, you want to tell us about resistance? resistance. Or do you want to put up a fight about that? Well, I think I had to talk about maneuvers. I, I think Steve should. I think right, Steve, Steve should stop. Should start. Steve's. Stardust. He's he's resisting. So see if you go. <laughs> oh, all right. Uh, so yeah. So the I, I stuff I like. There's this uh, the the uh, jumping into an unusual situation with the characters. You know, without a whole lot of preamble. That's cool. Um, uh, of course, the Joel Gray stuff um, with uh, 
Kate Mulgrew and all of that. The problems that seems to drag on too long. It doesn't seem for me, it doesn't like seem to, um, the emotional part of it doesn't escalate. It's clearly, clearly he's lost people and he's has issues, has some, um, you know, is not coming to uh, terms with that. Um, but I mean, beyond the very end, we learn kind of how they died. And that's a little bit of a spike in that. And we learn, you know, maybe there's a little bit of blaming himself involved. It's, it doesn't seem to go anywhere. So it makes this kind of stagnate in terms of the pace and the kind of the ebb and flow of the emotions of it. Um, for me, that's, that's kind of how I feel about it. And uh, so it's almost like it's trying to be one of those kind of episodes that does something really special and that's having that kind of relationship with a guest star kind of thing. And, but, and I think it's, it's okay, but I think it doesn't, it, it doesn't come to full realization of that. You know what, to me, this episode is like the best episode of the, what's Joel Gray's character's name? <laughs> um, Calum. Calum. The Calum show, this is the pinnacle of that. This this is the best episode of the Calum show ever made. Unfortunately, it's a Star Trek episode and it's about our Star Trek characters, and in that sense it it completely fails for me. <laughs> right, right. Everything in this episode I feel like I've seen before, and they don't earn any of those emotional moments because they're not our characters that we've been with. It's it's stuff for this Calum guy, and I don't care. Mm-hmm. And that's about all I got to say. I uh, I will say I, I always remember the funny hat dance. That's great. <laughs> yeah. And then I always, there's one scene in this episode that always makes me think, why didn't Picard ever try disguising himself as a lady of the night? Because I think it would have worked for him better than it was <laughs> I agree, for Jamie. I agree. Adam, you got any thoughts on this one? I think my favorite scene in this episode, I kind of agree with both of you, by the way. My favorite scene in the ep- in this episode was what, when, um, Argus, the, the the bad guy in this episode, when he dies, and his guards just kind of shrink back off into the shadows. <laughs> it's like, why, where are they going? I mean, don't they want, they're going to stop fighting now? Because it was just kind of weird. They just kind of just go back into the shadows and disappear. And then, you know, we have that, that nice touching scene where um, Calum dies and um, they um, leave the planet. It just, it was, it struck me as odd, but funny at the same time. But the I do like that we get to see Torres and Tuvok paired up a little bit. I, I don't really recall us doing that much. Yeah, yeah. I don't actually like any yeah. of their scenes, but I think it's more like the writing is pointless and or or stuff that I've seen a million times. There's nothing, no new information there. But just the the concept of seeing them paired up for a change was 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 nice. I would like to see that done again. I wouldn't say. I mean, this isn't a bad. I mean, like I, I think this is par for season two. I don't think season two is probably it's. If we had to comment on season two right now, we would say it's not very strong. So I feel like this episode's kind of par, like I said this last during the last episode, that it's kind of par for the course. It's not a bad episode, but it's not a particular episode that I think I would ever want to watch again. Um, for a lot of the reasons that we've kind of mentioned, it's um, we've seen a lot of this before in Star Trek, and we've seen it done a lot better. It's not a whole lot new. I think I would agree with, I didn't really think about it this way Steve mentioned that, you know, the episode just kind of starts and gets going. We don't get a whole lot of um, background on why they're there, how they got there or anything. It's just there, which is, which is kind of cool. And um, the only thing that, another thing that I kind of liked about it, Neelix kind of had a more of a, an assertive role in this episode. So I thought that was good for his character. If I'm going to say anything positive about it, but yeah, it's just, it's kind of, it's just, it's another season two episode that. Maybe could have beamed him down to do the sex yeah. appeal part. Yeah, exactly. Know? Right. Wow, that's an image that I didn't have a moment ago. <laughs> yeah, even all the stuff just cutting to Voyager as her 
I mean, the way they're they're dealing with the the guy, um, you know, I I just feel like I've seen it before. Maybe this is what happens when you do a podcast for seven or eight years and watch all the Star Trek episodes. Yeah, <laughs> every one of these, were, you know, I kind of feel like I've seen this. Before. Yeah, I kind of think yeah. it's easy. Yeah, uh, yeah. So you know, today Cold Fire felt unique. Yes. Yeah. Okay. I want to be clear. I'm not just burning Star Trek here. Cold Fire was unique. I don't recall seeing that kind of episode in the other shows. And I liked it. I think it's by far the best episode today. And one of the stronger episodes of the second season. Well, you're, you're happier this podcast than you were the last one, Brian. You didn't like That's any true. of the episodes last time. Yeah, you're right. Cold Fire, I got one. <laughs> yeah, more. I have good memories. Uh, is, is Resistance about anything? Letting go, I guess. You know, I mean, because it's you're right, Brian. This, this episode really isn't um, intrinsic on our main characters. It's kind of more about Kalen. Um, so I don't know, letting go and kind of having resolution to his pain and tragedy. Yeah, it's hard. It's hard to say, right? Because it, that that that's what's so difficult about these ones that don't focus on our main characters. Because it feels like you can't really comment on what it's about when it's nothing doesn't focus on them. And even for him, it's kind of like he's he's it's like he's delusional to the end. I mean, I, Janeway does the right thing in like saying, okay, you know, pretending to be that everything's cool and that you know she's his daughter still and all that stuff. But who, who's who's gaining something here? You know, Janeway is is a good person. She made a, a, the right decision there, but it's not like she, she came to some kind of big uh, revelatory moment, you know, and, you know, I, and so it's, it's tough. Yeah. All right. Let's do six degrees for resistance. Let's see. Adam has two. Steve has one. Steve, hmm. you are losing. So I'm going to give you the choice. Do you want the episode title for the, about the date episode, or do you want the episode title for the worth episode? The episode title for the what and the what? Data or worth? Oh, uh, data. Alan Scarf plays Augris, the bad guy leader dude. In Next Gen's fourth season, he played Romulan Admiral Mendek in the episode in which Data narrates a letter over the course of a 24-hour period. Name the episode. Mm, Data's Day. Yes, sir. Adam, it's tied. Let's see if you can take it for the day. In Next Gen's sixth season, he plays the Romulan Tokoth in the episode where Worf teaches some half-Klingon, half-Romulan children some cool Klingon stuff. This is part two of two. Name the episode. Yeah, so yeah, New Data's Day. I don't know this one, so it's all yours, Steve. Birthright. Oh my God! Don't call he it a comeback. Came back from two to nothing. <laughs> he came back from two to nothing. I don't think that's ever happened before. He came back and he won. Sad thing wow. is, it's like I'm I'm terrible on um, episode episodes one, and I do I didn't know Data's Day. <laughs> Man, it be bad. Oh well, what are you gonna do? Sorry, dude. Really sorry. That grand slam ended up you still lost, which that I remember that happening Ooh. recently too. Uh, not on our show, but you know. Um. All right, folks. So three more episodes down. We're going to be back in two weeks to discuss the next three episodes of Voyager. And we appreciate you spending an hour with us. You can send us an email, trekcompanion at gmail.com. Our Facebook page is facebook.com slash trekcompanion, which I feel like we haven't done anything with in a while. And I usually try to blame Adam, although that's unfair. <laughs> but that's what I did. Uh, our Twitter handle is at trekcompanion. Have you sent a tweet in a while, Adam? No, I have not. So anybody who wants to tag us on a tweet, maybe that would help us um, 
you know, pay more attention to our. our we do this for free, folks. There's no. <laughs> <laughs> if you, you know, if you, if you want to put Atrek Cabanion on some bit of. We don't do this for money. We do it for love. That's it. Yeah. It's love. And Adam is saying he doesn't love you enough to tweet more. That's what he's <laughs> Are you sure it's about love? This, this episode and then last episodes, we've been kind of hard on boys. I like cold fire. There hasn't been a lot of. There hasn't been a lot of I love. I like cold fire. <laughs> um, let's see uh, you can leave us a review on iTunes and um, that's probably everything right sure yeah. all right well, so we'll be back in else, two weeks if you do nothing else leave a review on iTunes you don't have to worry about Twitter right right all right we'll be back in two weeks thanks again for spending an hour with us and until next time take it easy bye guys see you Stefan, I passed it.